Hello and welcome to this NLive's Open for Business podcast platform. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university, as I keep saying, with the perfect face for radio. And I host a show every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. called Open for Business. Open for Business celebrates the very best of business in Northampton and Northamptonshire and brings together business, civic, charity and indeed academic leaders to talk about the business environment, to talk about initiatives and projects, especially where, they're, where they are all working together for the good of the community. So enjoy these extended interviews on this podcast. They're now set up as a standalone for you to savour and uh, to learn from some of the movers and shakers in the county. Enjoy. Well, I like to celebrate the best of Northamptonshire, both in terms of organisations and people. And we've had some very interesting people over the months and weeks on this show that, uh, as you can tell, are doing some interesting things, uh, dynamic, action, passion-driven, etc. And I'm pleased to welcome now somebody else that fits into all those categories. And it is the founder of Bright Ways Social Enterprise, um, Alison Holland. Alison, welcome to the show. Um, nice to have you on. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about what Bright Ways does. Yes, thank you very much for inviting me on. Um, Brightways, we were formerly known as Bright Kids Social Enterprise, and I know a lot of people around Kettering certainly will, will be familiar with us, but basically we are about promoting safe, active, sustainable, everyday travel. Um, so that's trying to make it easier for people to take part in walk-to-school schemes, cycle-to-work initiatives, um, promoting public transport, and so on. And how long has the organisation been going? We've been going for 17 years now. Um, early days, we were mainly focused um, on helping walk to school campaigns for children. So um, it's been very much children's focus in the past. But in the last couple of years, we've become more focused on all age groups. Mm. And you say you're well known around Kettering, but your boundaries don't stop at Kettering or the county, do they? No, no, we've actually been working with local authorities across the whole of the UK, uh, mainly England and Scotland, um, to promote, to, to help them to promote their active travel initiatives and um, in, help, help people get engaged with the campaigns and be drawn into taking part in those things. So we've worked with probably most of the councils across the UK at some point. Yeah, and uh, the danger is that perhaps you're doing more outside than, uh, and you could be doing a lot more inside the county. Well, yeah, that, that is something that we sort of have taken on board a bit, actually, because um, we were doing so much outside the county and with other local authorities because they tended to have more budgets and they're more able to work with us. Um, and we realised that there wasn't really so much going on in our own county. So that's why we decided to have a real focus on doing some in-person projects with local schools and local organisations to actually try and have an impact near where we live. Good. So if you're listening, school trustees, school governors, uh, local authority officials, local authority politicians. Alison is saying she wants to do more in the county. Now tell me, this sustainability social um, uh, aspect is right on message. Obviously, the world is concerned about climate change and global warming. But does this mean you're trying to stop me going in the car and take the bike instead? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I drive. I've got a car. <laughs> it's quite hard to, uh, you know, just give up your car and we're not really asking or expecting anyone to do that because you know that they're actually quite handy for getting around but really it's about giving people a way to um 
try other methods for some journeys where they can and obviously it's not possible for everybody but I think the problem is nowadays we've all got really used to having these nice convenient boxes parked outside our houses that we can just get in and go and it's about rethinking and thinking well actually if I if I pump my tires up on my bike tonight maybe tomorrow I can sort of go off to the shops or to work or take the kids to school on a bike instead or walk you know and also things like using public transport most um of us you know we have a bus route near us and they're not particularly brilliant at the moment and that's another thing with you know sort of campaigning on improving buses but where there is a bus route if you do actually use it especially if you're getting free bus transport like if you're um old old and 65 um then if you actually use the buses then they're more likely to be there if and when you do need them in the future. So even if you have a car, you could maybe take a bus trip with your friends once a week, then it's using the service and making it much more sustainable for the future. So it's little things like that that everybody can do. We're not saying get rid of your cars. It's just saying actually try some trips in other ways because you might find that you actually like it and you then see the benefits and then those ways are there for you if you ever need them mm, very good point well i certainly like my cycling but i don't look pretty after cycling 20 <laughs> minutes especially as leaving my place here i have to go into the dip between western fable and great billing so i can't get yeah. you know whichever direction so i've got to start filling up a sweat straight away but i do <laughs> you'd be pleased to know that I have cycled in many times to the university, which is about 20, 25 minutes. And with the student's blessing, you know, I go and change my shirt to dry off. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I tell them that uh, you, you don't mind. And they kind of got used to it, me, I think, the nutty academic coming in like that. But hopefully it's a good example to them. Um, indeed. What was the original, you know, trigger for, for this whole um, adventure that you've been, as you say, 17 years? Yeah, well, it actually started 18 years ago now when my eldest son started primary school um, and found there was a lot of congestion around the school gates. And, and some of the cars were even driven from houses in the village, um, you know, if parents had to go on to work. So I thought, well, you know, this seems a bit crazy, really. Um, it, it would be much better for the kids if they're walking to school. They get to know their neighbourhoods. They get familiar with their neighbours and their friends. They enjoy a refreshing walk. It's good for their brain before they start school. Um, and it keeps the congestion away from the school gates because I'm sure anybody who lives near a school will experience the congestion that you get at the school run and the pickup times. So I thought, well, actually, rather than sort of just complaining about it, I wanted to actually do something. So I set up a scheme called a walking bus which is when the parents basically take it in turns to walk the children to school. And it's done in an organised way and the children wear like high-vis jackets so they can be monitored and seen easily. Um, and we found that it was really successful in Gaddington. Um, and then they set up and other parents set up another two routes. So with the success of that, I thought, actually parents in other places would like to know about this idea because the idea was already out there but not particularly there wasn't that much information for parents so I set up a website with information about it and then I thought well I want this to be more than the website I want this to be my job doing this because I'm really passionate about sharing ideas 
And um, so I thought, well, for the walking buses, they need these yellow jackets. So we thought, well, if we sell the jackets, that funds our time to spend on developing the resources and the information. And that was how Bright Kids was born. And since then, we've just grown. <laughs> That's a lovely story. And I like the, um, the antecedents there. The uh, Bright Kids coming from then the high-vis vests that <laughs> yeah. gave them in the morning walk, right? Yeah, I think that was the original name was, yes, we can say we're literally bright kids. But it's also now, because we're more about road safety, um, more than just about road safety, we're really about active travel, about um, getting people walking and cycling more for health, not just safety benefits. So we see bright as being a really good word for describing clever as yep. well as literally bright and our products aren't all bright anymore we do much more than that but we've kept the bright because we think actually you know if you're choosing these sorts of ways to get around then you're being quite clever in terms of addressing climate issues sustainability health all that so so we think bright is still a pretty appropriate word for us <laughs> i love the play on words there so how do people find out more what sort of websites or, do, or social media would you point people to yeah well for bright kids which is um the information the, the the website we started with and the information for parents and schools the website is www.brightkids with a z at the end .co.uk and also for adults and workplaces and councils, local authorities, any organisation that's trying to generally um, promote sustainable everyday travel, our Bright Ways website has um, information to help. And that's um, www.brightwayz.com. .co.uk and we're actually just about to launch our nice professional version of the of the Brightways website in the next couple of weeks so do look out for that there, there is a temporary one there at the moment which has a lot of information but the it'll be nice when the professional one's there because it's got so much information and help for people as well as products that we sell to support the schemes excellent so that's brightkidswithaz.co.uk and brightways with a z um, .co.uk, way as in uh, the way forward, but uh, very good and a range of products to have a look at. Well worth visiting those sites and certainly in a couple of weeks when the new professional site is, is up and running. So has it been, um, it, it's become your job, right? Because of funding, etc. you know, and, and we'll come on to talk in a minute about it as a social enterprise, but it, um, you haven't had to sort of sacrifice an income. You, you can earn from it at the same time as doing so much good. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, and I think it's really important for more people to understand how social enterprises work and what they're about. Um, anyone running a social enterprise or working in a social enterprise is 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 paid for what they do. I mean, some social enterprises do have volunteers, but but social enterprises generally aren't dependent on volunteers and not like charities in that way. Um, the thing is, uh, with a social enterprise, there there is an asset lock. So we don't have shareholders who we have to pay dividends to every year. The company has grown up sort of um, organically, really. We had, we had some funding to support us at the start and some loans, but there's no actual share ownership of the organization which means that 100 of the profits go back into growing the organization supporting our aims and um you know um 
enabling us to do what we're really passionate about. I mean, social enterprises really are ideal for people who've got a real passion to change something. Mm. They have a business idea, something which is a sustainable business idea in terms of economically sustainable. And they want to use that idea to develop their passion and to address the issues that they really care about. But we all need to eat. We all want to, you know, we've all got things to pay for. So it's quite important that it is sustainable economically as well for the people who are running it. So we get paid, but we don't have shareholder distribution and we earn our income rather than depending on grants. Yeah, well, I think you've explained that very, very well. So it's really, and you know, there's a lot of a broader category, perhaps social business. Social enterprise is slightly narrower. There are specific forms of, of social enterprise, like community interest companies, etc. But basically, it's a it's a kind of hybrid, isn't it, between charities and for-profit businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it is okay to, as you say, earn the income and pay its people for doing a job, but not, uh, I'm sure, not excessively, like we sometimes see pay awards in the private sector, mm-hmm. which. Uh, you know, does does sometimes beg a belief indeed in terms of mm-hmm. fair rewards for industry and enterprise. Now, just before we go on to talk a little bit more about um, your involvement with with the county social enterprises, um, just give me your thoughts on the uh, the Voy, the the scooters in Northampton show mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah, well, um, personally, I think that um, I mean that there's pros and cons to them, but overall, I would say they're actually a really great step in the right direction, and especially the e-bikes as well. Um, now, I know there's been a there's been a few issues with them being left on pavements, but I think you get that with any change of any system, you get the wrinkles, and I think Voy have generally been very good at ironing out those wrinkles. And I know that Councillor Jason Smithers, who who really led on this, he's really um, he's he has got the passion to really make sure that this works and it's really good to have that kind of leadership and I think with the scooters it has also highlighted the fact that we really need more segregated um, cycleways or not really cycleways we call them mobility ways so having um, pavements for people to walk roads for cars to drive along and to have um, another section where we've got cycle pass which mobility scooter i'm sorry the the e-scooters and e-bikes and people on bikes could use um just to keep everybody separate and Mm. that we do have actually some quite wide roads for example in kettering where if the roads were redesigned properly then there would be a really good opportunity to put in some of those those segregated cycle lanes and actually people think well that's going to cost money well actually the government has put aside I think about two billion pounds to be able to invest in things like that but they will only give that money out to towns that have really good plans in place and have a lot of community engagement because Mm. they don't want to spend that money on things that then the community say oh we don't want that and gets taken away again so there's a lot of things that uh, there's a lot of benefits to the scooters it enables a lot of people to get to work 
but we do need better infrastructure to support them really. Um, so overall, I think they're a good thing because they've actually raised the issue about the infrastructure needing improving more, which may not have happened without the introduction of the scooters. Yeah, well, your point is very well made. And I speak as somebody that for four or five years, I've cycled to Ypres in Belgium for the Ride for Hope, the, uh, the Northampton Hope Centre, the homelessness charity. And um, this was when I was chair, this was a sort of chairman's challenge. So in the first year, we thought there'd be more people. But it ended up pretty much, certainly on the continent, being me and one driver support vehicle. And mm -hmm. um, so we're two days cycling in the UK to Harwich, then two days from Rotterdam back round to Ypres, a total of 400 kilometres. Uh, really wonderful, wonderful experience. But I have to tell you, Alison, that in the continent, you know, yeah, Europe, EU, all that, all the stuff we hear about the EU, <laughs> but the 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 roads, the pathways for cyclists were tremendous, such that mm. actually it became a challenge for the for the car to keep up with me. Now we've worked it out, and we you know got all the GPS stores. But in that first year, you know he he was behind me all the way, going slowly, mm. protecting me uh, in the UK. Once it got over there, I'm oh, going on some wonderful roads um, through beautiful villages, all well-kept villages, delightful cycle lanes and cycle pathways that sometimes were alongside the main road, sometimes were, you know, had been paved um, well away from the main road. And I'm completely with you. If we had more of that in this country, we're starting to see it and you've got the national cycleways and all that, but we have a long way to go, I'm afraid, to be uh, as good as certainly Holland and, and Belgium in uh, my experience. So any petition you want me to sign, <laughs> happy, Happy to do that. So just to go back, social enterprise. So this has clearly um, piqued your interest and um, you've explained it very, very well indeed. Now, I believe that you are now an advocate, a champion of it in the north of the county. We recently had Robin Burgess on talking about, um, I mean, Robin is chair, uh, chief executive of the Hope Centre, but he is also chair of the West Northamptonshire Social Enterprise Network. And you are setting up a similar organisation right in North Northamptonshire, is that correct? Yes, that's right. We're kind of uh, Robin's counterpart, really, up here in the North. Um, I think it's really important. It, this, um, we, I say we, it's just a small group of us, really, and I sort of coordinated it, have set up a, a new network, and it was actually launched on Social Enterprise Day in late November last year, um, ahead of the um, creation of the new unitary authority because we thought it was really important to have something that is um, specifically in the matching the North Northampton unitary authority because then we can connect with the right decision makers for our area and the aim of the organization is really to first of all identify social enterprises in the area because a lot of them don't realize that's what they are and to support them and to promote them and, and feature them on our website. So for example, people can find out where their local social enterprises are and see the great diversity there are in them. Mm. And do you know if there are many in the north of the county at the moment? I mean, how many of you identified? Yeah, I think we've got about 19 at the moment. So each one of them has their own page uh, and they're featured on our website, on North Northampton Social Enterprise website. Um, and there's a little, there's then links to the web, to the social enterprises. And they're really, really very varied. For example, there's some quite well-known ones such as Wicksteed Park, Ad Adrenaline Alley, Teamwork Trust, 
And then there are some new ones such as, um, well, there's um, some like quite small new ones such as a lady who does bee, make, um, bee courses, beekeeping courses. And there are educational um, social enterprises that do projects with um, children and young families. So there's quite a variety really. And it's really nice to be able to show off that variety. But our, our biggest challenge really is in finding the social enterprises, because as you mentioned earlier, there are different legal forms. So there's, there isn't one place where they all are. So, so we're working on that. And we've, um, we're, we're with the network, with the website, we provide the information, but we also come together as social enterprises and network with each other to try and collaborate where we can. So that's also been quite effective. And it's free for any social enterprise in North Northampton to join because it's basically just my time that it costs, which <laughs> I do at the weekends. And uh, yeah, so any any of them could get in touch if they're interested in joining. So how do they get in touch with you, Alison? Um, well, if they go to the website, there is a, a form on the page, on the featured page at the top that says, if you'd like your social enterprise to be featured, please fill in this form. So that's the best way, really. Or they can email me directly. Um, but the website means that they get to see what is um, what other social enterprises have put up and they get to understand a bit about the context of what the organization's about. So the, that website is, um, shall I give that the website? Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah. It's www.nnse.org.uk and that's November, November something, something. <laughs> it's getting the ends right. That's the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, so, what is it? November, November, Sierra. And then what's E? Echo. Echo. Echo or Epsilon. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. NNSE.org.uk. Well, Alison, it's delightful to have you on the show telling us about not one, but two great initiatives. Um, this show tries, you know, open for business, but we're looking for the best of business, but best of business in the community where it's doing something for the community over and above, you know, running a business and employing people, obviously. And I think you fit that bill um, perfectly. So, very many thanks indeed for coming on the show. It's um, the founder and actual title, effectively MD or boss, but Project and Partnerships Director for Brightways, with a Z at the end, W-A-Y-Z, and also the chair of North Northamptonshire Social Enterprise Network. Um, Alison Holland, Holland, thank you so much for coming on the show. Keep well, keep safe, and keep up the good work. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. There are plenty more here on the podcast platform. And of course, you can always listen on uh, live on Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. on NLive Radio 106.9 FM or digitally via nliveradio.com. Um, if you'd like to know more about the radio station, please do look at nliveradio.com. And um, we're always looking for support from the community and further afield. So if you'd like to support us, please go to nliveradio.com slash support us. So until next time, thank you very much again for listening.